right, well, good morning. Uh, this morning when I was getting ready for church, and of course I was dressed like this, my wife was getting my daughters ready, and uh, Lucy looked at me and she said, Daddy, I don't want to go to church. I want to go to the lake with you. <laughs> and I said, well, honey, I'm, I'm actually going to church. I'm actually talking about fishing this morning. And, and she said, no, you're not. You're going to the lake. She thought, I, she thought I was pulling one over on her. But anyway, I want to talk this morning to you about my absolutely, well, third best favorite subject in the world. Uh, I've got to be careful. I'm going to get in trouble. It's probably fourth or fifth because, you know, I've got to have Jesus, number one, Andrew, number two, the family, and then, of course, you all. But somewhere in the high priorities is, uh, is fishing. And, in fact, if you ever wonder, does he enjoy wearing that suit on Sunday? In spirit, this is what I have on every week, every week. And um, I was going to preach in my sunglasses, but I lost my prescription ones, so we're going to have to do that. But this morning, I would invite you to take the Word of God and turn to John 21. John 21, as we're going to talk from the book of John today, John 21, is we're going to talk about keepers. That's a term that if you are a fisherman, fisherwoman, that you know what a keeper is. A keeper is the fish that you catch and you keep. And we have been progressing through the gospel of John. We've had this story together that we've shared. We have seen how Jesus has now gone to the cross. He has risen from the grave. And now he is doing a very important thing. He is establishing his keepers to go out and do the work that he has for them. And it all surrounds a story about fishing. So it's interesting when we think about fishing and things like that, we think about oh, that's something you do on your spare time. But for them, this was a way of life. In fact, they were fishermen. Peter, James, and John were called as fishermen. The others, of course, would have been familiar with fishing. And they had been called out of that life into a life of pursuing Jesus. So we're going to read together in John 21, John 21, verses 1 through 14. The word of our God says this. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. Man, that has to be one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. <laughs> they said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it. And now, 
they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved, whom we believe to be John, therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from land, but about a hundred yards off. When they got out on the land, they saw, oh, this is good, a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you've just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish. I love that detail. 153 of them, which means there was a probably about 78, but it's fishermen counting, right? <laughs> and although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now, none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. So here's our main statement for this morning. Jesus in this passage wants to make sure that his guys understand something. Jesus made sure his guys knew they were keepers. I want you to look down at the list in verse number two. Notice who is listed as being present on this day. Who is mentioned first? Simon Peter. Who is the second person who is mentioned? Thomas. What do these two men have in common? These are two men that had serious lapses in the previous days. Thomas, who was doubtful of the resurrection, and Peter denied that he even knew Jesus. I love how this whole passage on fishing, because fishing, as you're going to see in a minute, it's, a, it's about catching fish, yes, but it's really about relationships. Beginning this whole passage on fishing, you have the two guys named that needed affirmation more than any other of the men. Jesus made sure his guys knew they were keepers. Well, here's the story. They've been out fishing all night long, and they hadn't caught anything. Now, they don't fish like we do today. Where'd my fishing pole go? Here we go. See, if you're a commercial fisherman and you fish offshore, or you fish over in the Mississippi River or stuff like that, you could still use nets, and sometimes you can see nets that are available in some of the larger lakes the, uh, around here and Folks will be trying to catch catfish and stuff like that. But for most of us, when we fish, we're trying to catch one. Now, you may try to fish with multiple poles, but they didn't fish like we fish. They were fishing with a casting net, trying to catch as many as they could. A casting net is a net with weights attached around the sides so that when you throw it in the water and you stretch it out, it collapses on itself, and as it sinks into the water, 
it can capture a large amount of fish. These were men that knew what they were doing, and they were out all night long. Let me talk about fishing just for a minute. Successful fishing stands on three pillars, okay? This is going to be a mixture of, of uh, biblical teaching and uh, trying to help all of you become better crappie fishermen, okay? So, successful fishing stands on three pillars, and if my wife were here, she would say four, and the one that's missing is the most important one. She would say, life jacket. <laughs> um, ever since I fell out of the boat, I made a promise to my wife that I would never go fishing again um, without a life jacket on. But successful fishing stands on three pillars, experience, relationships, and weather, otherwise known as luck. Look down in verse number five. It says, Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and then you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. Here's a few things about fishing. Knowing how to fish and catching fish are not the same thing. Knowing how to fish and catching fish are not the same thing. These men were experts. They knew exactly what to do, what time of day to go, where to go. They knew all of this stuff, but they still could not produce a catch. Because knowing how to fish and catching fish are not the same thing. Now, don't get me wrong. Even though when we think of fishing and just think, well, it's just all luck, there is skill to it. For instance, when I fish for crappie, there's different things that I use. So this whole bag is full of stuff. So you know if I ever go bankrupt, you'll know exactly why. Um, but inside, for instance, I've got two kinds of baits here. I don't know if you can see. Which one looks brighter, the one in this hand or the one in this hand? This hand right here. So these are brighter baits. Now, I typically use brighter baits. I want you to, if you know it, don't say the answer. But if you don't know fishing, I want you to guess. Do you use brighter baits in muddy water or clear water? What do you think? Muddy water. That's right, to try to get the fish's attention, even though the water may be muddy. Now, this one here, this is actually, by the way, this bait is uh, Moglo Baby Shad Sunrise. Hey, yeah, how about that? And this one is a personal favorite of mine. If you are ever going to go fishing with me, most of the time I'm fishing clear water. And this one right here, this is Baby Shad by Bobby Garland called Monkey Milk. If I do not have this on my boat or in my possession when we're going fishing, you might as well say, Matt, take me home. Because this has been the, the secret sauce for me through the years. Because... What I know, I know from experience that fish will strike certain colors at certain times. Now, what I also know from experience that all the rules at any given point cannot apply at all because they can change on a dime. Also, there's things, there's different kinds of weights. How heavy is the, the jig that I'm going to put in the water? For instance, if I, I want you to think about this. If I want the bait to move a lot and very quickly, should I use a heavy bait or should I use a light bait? Uh, it's not what you think it is. 
A heavy bait will have a stronger action. It's going to move faster through the water. It's going to have very dramatic moves. A light bait is going to move very slowly through the water. So, for instance, if the temperature is up or the temperature is down and the fish are moving slow, I want to use a light bait, a small jig that has a slow action and slow presentation to it. That way, I don't spook the fish. But if the fish are in a feeding time or they're very aggressive, or especially if it's during a spawn time when they're laying their eggs, I'm going to use a heavier jig to put that bait right in front of their face, and I may even give it some action to draw the fish in my presentation into getting a bite. These are things that I know. Like the disciples, I know how to fish. I know how to fish my way. I don't know how to fish their way. But also, not only is knowing how to fish and catching fish, they're not the same thing. Knowing where to fish and catching fish are not the same thing. These disciples, this was the Sea of Tiberias or the Sea of Galilee, these disciples had been fishing the Sea of Galilee probably their entire life. They'd probably been out with their great-granddad and their granddad and their dad. They know where to go on the lake. Now, what is the secret to success in catching fish in North Mississippi? Here, here, here is the answer, all right? It's having really good friends, Okay. And this is why, because there's something else on my life jacket right here. This right here is a GPS unit. And this GPS unit in this particular device, if I were to turn it on, it has probably somewhere between 350 and 500 different locations spread out between Pickwick Lake all the way down to Grenada that will put me exactly on the brush top that I have even been told, either been told is there or I have found myself because knowing where to fish is everything. These disciples not only knew how to, they knew where to. Going out in the middle of the night, they certainly would have gone to their sweet spots. But then also, there's knowing when to fish. And knowing when to fish and catching fish are not the same thing. For instance, somebody asked me recently, they said, well, Brother Matt, I... I you know, I'm sure you're doing a lot of fishing right now. Actually, the kind of fishing I do, I taper back during the summer, and here's the reason why. Crappie, the fish that I go after, are not very active in the summer because it gets hot and they either go deep or on occasion if the barometric pressure is really high, they may go, high, they may go shallow and hide out in the, 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 the shade or something like that. They're very difficult to find, at least for me. Knowing when to fish is not the same as catching them. Crappie, for instance, they prefer, they seem to be most active, at least in my experience, between 68 degrees and water temperature all the way up to 82. Not water temperatures, this is air temperature. 68 degrees air temperature all the way up to 82 degrees. And if you get hotter than that or colder than that, you can still catch them, but they're probably not going to be as active. So why am I telling you all this information? I'm telling you all this information just because I want you to see that on this silly thing about my life that I love to crappie fish, that I know something about this subject. I know that if the barometric pressure is above 30.5, you better stay at the house because you're not going to catch anything. If it's below 29, you're not going to catch anything. You want it to be in the middle there in the sweet spot. But knowing when to fish and catching fish are not the same. Hopefully I've persuaded you this morning that I know at least something about crappie fishermen, crappie fishing, 
But that doesn't mean at all that I can guarantee a catch when I go. In fact, a couple of years ago, I got a, a device. It's a sonar device that's on my boat. It's called LiveScope. And if you could see it with me, I promise you, you would be amazed. Here's what LiveScope does. It gives me a live action picture of what's going on under the water. I can actually, in real time, see the fish swimming through the water. And I can even take my fishing pole and my bait and drop the lure right in front of its face and watch the fish come right up to the bait. And at times, I can set the hook even before I feel the bite because I know it's coming. Somebody said, oh, well, that is cheating. No doubt. <laughs> no doubt. And I love it. I absolutely love it. But let me tell you what it's done. It has been a newfound frustration for me because every time I go to the lake, I can find fish because I have live scope. I have sonar. I can find these things. They cannot hide from me. However, I can't make them bite. I can't make them bite. I, and sometimes it'll get, I'll get so, I used to never get angry at all. For instance, I'd be out fishing and I would just tell myself, ah, this lake's overfished. There ain't no fish in this thing. Or I'd tell myself, well, they're just not here. They're probably out in the deep water. And what I found through LiveScope, they are there. They're there all the time. They are not biting when I am looking for them. So it's a newfound frustration. So, Here's what I want you to know is successful fishing stands on three pillars, experience, relationships, and weather. They had fished all night, but it was their relationship with Jesus that put them on the catch. Also, here's another thing. I want you to notice what Jesus does. Jesus tells them where the fish are. He tells them where the fish are. Look down in verse number six. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some let me tell you something right now if a fisherman ever tells you where they are biting you have officially been accepted into their world because you would never tell anyone where they're biting unless you really really liked them jesus is handing out knowledge of where the fish are and in their culture and our culture when you're telling somebody where the fish are you're communicating that you care about them you like them you accept them and this is what is taking place here friends if you're a fisherman you do not give away your fishing secrets to anyone you don't like the Magnolia Crappie Club is a crappie club that's here in Mississippi, and there is something of a Mississippi legend, a man by the name, I don't know what his real name is, but if you're from Jackson area, you probably have heard the name, if you're into fishing at all, Rabbit Rogers. He's still living, and he still fishes in the Magnolia Crappie Club, and he is one of the most gifted fishermen in the state of Mississippi. A friend of mine was down on the Ross Barnett Reservoir, and there is a place called Tommy's Trading Post on the Ross Barnett Reservoir where people go to get bait and coffee and a brisket and stuff like that. And uh, after all the boats are pulled out and you end for the day, you typically, if you're up on that part of the lake of Ross Barnett Reservoir, you'll go into Tommy's Trading Post. And anyway, we, we were there and there were all kinds of people around, just guys hanging out and they're talking about have they caught anything or not. 
and everybody's just talking and carrying on, you know, shooting the bull, stuff like that. And then Rabbit Rogers walks in, local legend. He walks in, and a newbie, I mean a newbie, this guy knew it was Rabbit Rogers, but he didn't know anything about fishing because he says, hey, Rabbit, where are you catching them? The whole place. You had men sipping coffee and Coca-Colas and having sausage biscuits and, uh, and sandwiches and stuff like that. The whole place, you could hurt a pin drop. And everybody just looks at Rabbit. And he takes his finger and he said, I'm catching him right there. <laughs> Which means, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> you don't give your fishing secrets to someone you don't like. Jesus is using this process. Remember, what is his mission? He has already won the prize. He has fought the fight for redemption. He has laid down his life. He has paid the penalty for our sins, and he's proven it by raising, being raised from the grave by his Father. His mission now is to instill confidence into his men, into his fishermen, is to affirm them and commission them to go out and do the work that he is going to leave them. You don't give away your fishing secrets to anyone you don't like. Also, you don't give away your fishing secrets to anyone you don't trust. Jesus telling these disciples where to catch the fish would have communicated them, not to them, not just that he liked them, but that he, he trusted them. And also, if you know your New Testament, you know that this is not the first time this happened. The first time this happened was at the call of Peter, James, and John. And certainly, this would have reminded Peter, James, and John of that initial call when Jesus called them to become fishers of men. And here they are again. Jesus provides an abundance of catch for them, and now he calls them all over again. I, we're going to look more about that next week as we look at the restoration of St. Peter. But to me, I think this is so beautiful. Peter, Thomas, the other disciples, they'd all fled at the cross. They're all ashamed of what they've done. And Jesus is taking a moment to take them back to the start and call them in the same way he originally called them because he communicated to them that he trusted them and he accepted them by telling them where the fish are and putting them on fish. You know, it's funny, it's the same way with us. For instance, if somebody who you think is close to you won't tell you where to catch the fish, they pr probably don't like you. I was talking to a pastor friend of mine, and he was saying that his chairman of the deacons, that was a big-time fisherman, I said, oh, okay, I said, well, have you gone fishing with him? He said, no, I hadn't. He, 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 he won't take me because he doesn't want me to know where they're at. I said, oh, dude. You need to brush up on your resume, man. I, it's, it's probably not going to work out for you. Um, it's time to look for other employment. But um, anyway, if you communicate fishing knowledge to someone, it means you accept them and you trust them. Also, I absolutely love this. I absolutely love this because I love fish fries. I want you to look down in verse number 7. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. 
the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from land, but about a hundred yards off. I love this verse. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. What does this communicate to you? Jesus got there before you did. He caught fish before you did. And he started making breakfast before you even knew he was out there doing it. He was communicating acceptance to his disciples. Fishermen do not welcome you to their fish fry unless they accept you. Jesus communicated to his guys in a way they would understand. Not only did he tell them where to catch them, he brought them ashore and he had breakfast waiting on them. If that doesn't communicate acceptance and affirmation to a fisherman, I don't know what does. Jesus met them in a place they recognized. Fishermen understand. If you're telling and sharing fishing knowledge, that's one thing. But if you welcome me to your fish fry and I'm eating your catch, that means you have accepted me. And Jesus accepted them in a way that they would never forget. Something that is about this story that reminds me of everything is I love how Jesus met these men right where they are. And don't forget, in the synoptic gospels, he said that we are to be fishers of men. And to be fishers of men, just like to be fishers of fish, you go to where the fish are. Jesus met these men where they are in a way that they could understand. He knew their faults. He knew they knew their faults. And he met them in a way that communicated to them that he accepted them. What's coming up is going to be a commission. He is going to send them out into the whole world. But before he sends them out, he wants them to know they are accepted. He knows their past, and still, they are accepted. I don't even know what to do with that kind of love. By the way, if you look in the Gospels, do you ever find where St. Peter apologizes to Jesus? Does he ever say, I'm sorry, I denied you? Does Thomas? Nope. Another story in the Old Testament did Joseph's brothers ever apologize to Joseph? Nope. Joseph forgave his brothers. Jesus forgave the disciples. He communicated acceptance to them. And they moved forward. This, to a fisherman, would have communicated volumes to them. The final thing is this. Is Jesus as the master fisherman decides who are his keepers here's what's important most of us would not have kept one of them jesus kept them all most of us after we heard about the denial of saint peter we'd be like well he's out most of us after hearing about the doubting of thomas well he's out too most of us, after we heard about all the character flaws of the other disciples, James and John, with having outbursts of anger and, you know, potentially, you know, Matthew's past as a tax collector and Simon's past as a zealot, and then you've got the other disciples, 
that all fled when Jesus was in his hour of trial, most of us would have cut him out and said, listen, you've burned me once, that's enough. You've burned me twice, that's beyond enough. I'm going to separate myself from you. But Jesus doesn't pick his keepers like we do. It's amazing to me when Jesus looked at these men I wonder if any of these men would have been selected by us in the beginning. But Jesus chose them. Jesus is the master fisherman. He decides who's his keeper, who his keepers are. Most of us would have not kept one of them. Jesus kept them all. I want you to look at the final verse here in verse number 14. This was the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Jesus is communicating and affirming his men to let them know they are secure in him. And it is out of that security, out of that acceptance, that these men are going to go out into the world and tell the world just how much God loves them. Let me tell you something. If you believe that God is out to get you, if you believe that Jesus is constantly angry at you and disappointed you as his child and you're a Christian and this is what you believe about God, that's what you're going to communicate about God to everyone around you. Unfortunately, many of us believe that if we just got our life together and if we just could live a holy enough life and we're on fire for Jesus and we prayed enough and we worshiped enough and we gave enough and all those things are important. All those things are rewarding to each of us. But it's not perfect faith, perfect righteousness, perfect holiness that casts out fear. It's perfect love. These men needed to know whether they knew it or not, that Jesus loved them and accepted them. He knows their past, and he still wants to use them. What does this passage mean to me? I read this story, and I think, good night. If there's hope for them, there's hope for me. What this passage means for you and me, that when it comes to serving Jesus, what's in front of you, is always more important than what's behind you because the past is forgotten it's taken care of and he wants to use you and he knows the only way that we'll let him use us is if we know that we're accepted and loved and you are you have been invited to the fish fry he's telling you his fishing secrets he's communicating to you He really does not only love you, he likes you, and he wants to use you. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time together. Lord, when I think of this story, I think about the disciples, and I try to get my mind around how I would have felt on a day like that, embarrassed in my past, ashamed of what I've done, probably thinking maybe I need to go back to the fishing business and forget this whole building the church stuff. And Lord, you showed up on the seashore and called them in the way that they were originally called. 
and communicated to them in a way that they knew that they were not only important, but accepted and loved. Lord, I pray for my friends who are here today. Lord, I pray that today that you would communicate to them in a way they understand that you accept them and love them in Christ. If they belong to Jesus, they're a part of a family of which there is no way out. Lord, you finish the good work that you start and you encourage us along the way to keep going. Lord, if there's anyone here that doesn't know Jesus, Lord, I pray today they would want to be a part of his family. For it's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen and amen.